Give Us This Day Evening Edition is a devotional reflection upon the New Testament lesson from the Order for Evening Prayer from the Book of Common Prayer 1928. These reflections are written and presented by Father Charles Erlinson, who serves at the Church of the Good Shepherd Reformed Episcopal Church in Tyler, Texas. Today is Wednesday of the seventh Sunday after Trinity. The lesson is taken from Acts chapter 23, verse 25, through chapter 24, verse 9. And he wrote a letter after this manner, Claudius Lysias, unto the most excellent governor Felix, sendeth greeting. This man was taken of the Jews, and should have been killed of them. Then came I with an army, and rescued him, having understood that he was a Roman. And when I would have known the cause whereof they accused him, I brought him forth into their council, whom I perceived to be accused of questions of their law, but to have nothing laid to his charge worthy of death or of bonds. And when it was told me how that the Jews laid wait for this man, I sent straightway to thee, and gave commandment to his accusers also to say before thee what they had against him. Farewell. Then the soldiers, as it was commanded them, took Paul and brought him by night to Antipatris. On the morrow they left the horsemen to go with him and returned to the castle, who, when they came to Caesarea and delivered the epistle to the governor, presented Paul also before him, and when the governor had read the letter he asked of what province he was, and when he understood that he was of Cilicia, I will hear thee, said he, when thine accusers are also come. And he commanded him to be kept in Herod's judgment hall. And after five days Ananias the high priest descended with the elders and with a certain orator named Tertullus, who informed the governor against Paul. And when he was called forth, Tertullus began to accuse him, saying, Seeing that by thee we enjoy great quietness, and the very worthy deeds are done unto this nation by thy providence, we accept it always, and in all places, most noble Felix, with all thankfulness. Notwithstanding that I be not further tedious unto thee, I pray thee that thou wouldest hear us for thy clemency a few words. For we have found this man a pestilent fellow, and a mover of sedition among all the Jews throughout the world, and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes who also hath gone about to profane the temple, whom we took and would have judged according to our law. But the chief captain Lysias came upon us, and with great violence took him away out of our hands, commanding his accusers to come unto thee, by examining of whom thyself mayest take knowledge of all these things whereof we accuse him. And the Jews also assented, saying that these things were so. Have you ever been falsely accused? Have you ever been persecuted? I have lost track of how many times St. Paul was falsely accused or persecuted, but it's a bunch, a big bunch. Jesus, his master, predicted that such persecution would come, and Paul himself had been told that he would be put in chains for the gospel. The amazing thing is that Paul is like the Energizer Bunny. He keeps on going and going and going, knowing that he will face further persecution. Second verse, same as the first. Some of us love to read true stories of courage, it's one of the reasons people like to read non-fiction works about wars, and it's one of the reasons people like The Lord of the Rings. Because face it, most of us are not wizards or elves, or even men or dwarves, but hobbits who appear to be insignificant. But here are the truest and noblest stories of courage, the lives of the saints including St. Paul. Once again we find him facing persecution, and courageously enduring it like a soldier of the cross. Thank God we also know the source of that courage and have access to it. It's the encourager himself, the Holy Spirit. If you're like me, you may not have faced a lot of outright persecution. Since I don't have many good stories from my own life, especially persecution ones, I'll share one of the few I've got. 
It was back in the spring of 1986, and I was working on my master's degree in English literature at good old conservative Texas A&M. Go Aggies! Woo-ah! Sorry. I got involved with the literary magazine Litmus and served on the poetry editorial board. We had a lot of poetry submissions to review, but out of them we only passed 13 onto the next level of consideration, three of which were my three submissions. The upper board only passed three of these 13, two of which were mine. Out of those three only, especially since they didn't know I'd written them, I was very gratified by this, and amused. One of the poems I'd written about desiring God was misinterpreted by one of those on the board as being about romantic love and sex. It was not just the passionate language, but also that some of the board members had no category in their hearts for passionate poetry about God. The chief editor remarked that she thought it couldn't possibly be about God, in spite of very clear markers that this is exactly what the author had intended, and therefore had to be about romantic love. In the end, all three of my poems were going to be published in Litmus until I got a call from the chairperson. She informed me that only one of my poems would be published, which happened to be the only one not specifically Christian in nature. When I asked her why the other two were dropped, ones which had been highly praised in earlier meetings, all she could tell me was that it wasn't the kind of language they were looking for. She assured me that it had nothing to do with the religious content, and oh, by the way, would I serve on the board the next year. You'd have to understand how much of my identity was tied up with my writing at that point in my life to understand the hurt. In the end, I chalked it up to being persecuted for Christ. The point of my story is not what you may think. I come to bury Father Charles not to praise him. My point is how much I allow relatively little things to hurt me, and how much I think of the injuries I sustain by the aluminum foil spears of the enemy. How much greater were the persecutions of Paul, and of many Christians throughout the world today? How much greater their courage, and how much greater their opportunity to learn that God is made perfect in their weakness, and that His grace is sufficient? I too have my opportunities, but I find that on occasion I want to run and hide, or am willing to joust against the anthills of the enemy, but not his real strongholds but not St. Paul. He was a true warrior. God may not have called you or me to battles like St. Paul's, but he's called us nonetheless. We are at war, and he summoned us to join him. He recruited us, and we signed up for life in his army. Like a hobbit, you may think that the battles he's given you and your role in them are insignificant, but God thinks otherwise. He's given you exactly the role he wants you to have, which is exactly the role you should have. And should you prove a good and faithful soldier, he'll promote you to a grander part of the battle. But it's by being faithful in the small things, by being courageous and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, that we grow in his service. So thank you today, St. Paul, for inspiring me to be more bold and courageous in the Lord's service. I will go forth today, renewed in the service God has crafted especially for me, remembering that everything that happens today is a means of seeing God and giving him glory. Give Us This Day Evening Edition is a presentation of Always With Christ Radio, radio in the Anglican way.